Welcome to Catalytic Conversations. I'm Wendy Dickinson, founder of Ascend to Sell. I coach business owners through key transitions that are unknown territory, primarily mergers, acquisitions, and family succession. My clients are experts in running their businesses, and they've reached a point where they need to know what their business is worth and how to lead through one of these transition processes. I've designed a five-step process called AAA M&A, and it gives clients greater confidence through preparation and greater respect at the table. My mission is to help my clients maximize returns and minimize regrets. This podcast explores entrepreneurial experiences. My guests explore their challenges, pivot points, and decision-making strategies. As listeners, you have the opportunity to reach out to ask questions, share thoughts, and learn from the experiences of others. And listeners, today, I'd like to welcome Todd White, founder of Dry Farm Wines. Todd, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Lots of nuggets of wisdom and life to share with your audience today. I am so grateful because I have to say Dry Farm Wines has really added to the quality of my life. I've been a lifelong wine lover, and uh, thanks to Dry Farm Wines, I'm now able to enjoy those every day. That's awesome. You know, we, uh, we're the only health-quantified wine merchant in the world, so our focus and passion is around helping people live a healthier life and drink in a healthier way. Well, and it's interesting that you bring that up because one of the things that I would really like to give our listeners the opportunity to do is to consider how they can integrate um, their entire lives based on their values, a healthy lifestyle, and I feel like Dry Farm Wines has allowed me to really walk the talk. Well, it's, you know, what's happened in the wine industry is the same thing that's happened in our food supply, which has been massive corporate consolidation driven by money and greed and a whole lot of horrible things happening to wine that people have no idea about. I don't know where to talk much about wine today, but, but the, the important thing to know about wines is that the wines that you're buying in retail in, in the store are filled with toxins and poisons. There's 76 additives approved by the FDA for the use in winemaking. Your audience doesn't know about these 76 nasty additives, which they can see online, because the wine industry spent tens of millions of dollars in lobby money to keep contents labels off of wine. Now, if a wine label had contents label on it, it would look like the rest of the processed foods that most of us are avoiding because the, the label would be filled with chemical names and additives. You have no idea what they are. So that's really what's happening in the wine industry and what's happening in the wine business. And wine is the only major food group without a contents label on it. So, you know, we sell an all-natural, additive-free, sugar-free, low alcohol. And you and I talked about the importance of low alcohol because alcohol is a toxic neurochemical, mm-hmm. right? And, yes. and alcohol is a very dangerous drug. And... Um, and, and so we're, you know, we're super conscious of brain health and, uh, and brain health is really, really foundational to our ability to make executive decisions. Exactly. So, that's, so we're, you know, so lowering the alcohol down, mm-hmm. I, I love wine. I'm not going to stop drinking. I want to drink smarter and healthier and I want to protect my brain. Yes. And so it's really about dosing down the, the, the alcohol level. And it, it doesn't, we talked about this a little bit before the show, it doesn't really work very well for most people who love to drink wine or who like to drink to drink less. Now, I'm not going to have a glass of wine. Usually I have a bottle with dinner, so it's like, you know, so it's like, 
So, but I'm drinking very low alcohol wines, and so I can have more, still enjoy the experience of drinking throughout my dinner and, and following, without having this high dose of alcohol. And so that's you know we we could talk about that a lot, but I really want to talk about other ways we can help your audience. And at least with, from my experience, I've been self-employed since I was 17. I built uh, a number of successful companies, a few moderately successful, uh, a couple not so good, and one dramatic failure, which mm-hmm. redefined my life. Interesting. So tell me about the experiences where you had the, you, you described as moderately successful, successful, whatever that means. But what was that like, and, and what was that transition time like for you from one business to another? Well, most of them... The very successful, I hate to use the word successful, but I'm using it, I'm using it, when somebody, I, we were interviewing a job candidate last week who asked me, Todd, what, what do you think success is? And I said, success is a peaceful and joyful life. Mm. That, that's what success means to me. However, I'm using in this term, I'm using, I'm, it's not what I consider success. I'm using it because it's easily understood right. to define the financial achievement financial earnings of a business, right? And so the most successful businesses, I've never had a business grow as fast as the current one or as profitable uh, or as healthy and peaceful, but we can talk about why that has happened. But my prior businesses were, you know, were managed differently, uh, managed like the business press tells us we need to manage business by striving and working harder and demanding more and spending more time and dedicating more of ourselves to it. That's been just actually the opposite of what we've done with the current business, which has never grown faster, been more profitable and helped more people quickly, right? Than the current business. And I can tell you how my view on that is now, but you know, my other successful businesses, one of them worked at for about 16 or 17 years. It's still in operation. I sold it to somebody else. The other one I worked at, uh, these are the two most successful prior to the current one. Mm-hmm. The other one, which I exited to a public company in 1995, I owned just for five years, but uh, was also a very, very lucrative transition to, to a public company. The other was to a private group. The other businesses have been uh, smaller and as I said, varying degrees of, of, of success until the last one, just before this one, which was a dramatic failure that redefined my life and created or caused what I refer to as my awakening. And, and you mentioned peace earlier about how much peace there is within the current business, Todd. Where Was there peace in those other businesses? No, not at all. Those other businesses were managed through a, a structure of expectation instead of appreciation, mm-hmm. striving instead of thriving, constantly expecting people to do more, work around the clock, all kinds of you know really extreme metric-driven, fear-based tactics, in my view, now looking mm-hmm. back, mm-hmm. right? This is very typical. This is most yes. businesses are managed. Yes. And most businesses are managed from a mindset of scarcity, not a mindset of abundance. So the scarcity mindset expects other people to do things, expects things to happen, disappointed when they don't, and using fear to, to reinforce those expectations. You know, and so that, that's, that's basically fear and, and, and rejection, which is, you know, if you're not meeting my expectations, I'm rejecting you. And so 
we believe, I, I've learned now, it's my, you know, some, to give you a, some frame of our current business, and again, I've been self-employed for 40 years, right? Mm-hmm. And so our current business has grown 325x in three years. That's about 30,000%, wow. right? And so it's with zero debt and zero investors. And so this, we attribute this growth, this phenomenal growth, one of the fastest growing businesses in the United States. We attribute this fast growth, again, without any debt or investors, to our practices of peace, to our practice of meditation. And so we, we manage and guide the business through a document we call the Peace and Profit Manifesto. Now, you notice that peace comes before profit because we believe, that, we believe that profit will follow peace. And the, the lack of peace, or in other words, drama and resistance and angst and expectation, all those things that create a lack of peace and present mind, actually create resistance and barriers to abundance. And so... And the more resistance is created, the more resistance multiplies and the more blockage there is to abundance. That's when striving comes into place as opposed to thriving. And thriving is a very natural process that is is present in nature where all things are connected and thrive together. Striving is when we're trying to get ahead of that, right? You can't get ahead of nature. And so we believe that a mindset of peace and a mindset of abundance, not scarcity and resistance, are the keys to having a successful business that carries you on a successful life journey, right? What's the point of having a business if it's going to make me unhappy? It'd be easier for me to work for somebody else. Well, and right? a, I mean, a, like, yeah, and a lot of people would say money, right? Making a living, that would be it. But, but it sounds like, I mean, there's so much more that you have tapped into. Well, we developed nine codes, what we call codes that support the Peace and Profit Manifesto. And each one of those codes has a detailed description. So the, the first one is called creation. We are creators. We're committed to a craft of creation, right? Second one is community. And for us, that's practice family first. Put love and heart first. Everything else will follow. The third is connection. And that connection means that we radiate love. And you know, as a customer, you receive communications from us. We use the word love a lot to our customers. We use it a lot with each other. We consider ourselves a family, not a business. See, when you're a family, that means that we have to practice unconditional love, non-judgment, and unconditional acceptance. This is the path to... Now, we're very selective about hiring. So I only work with 20 people. Our goal was not to exceed 35. I work with 20 people. Every single person is a rock star. So our hiring process is very, very rigorous and typically takes two months from beginning to end before we make an offer to somebody. And and Todd, let me just share with our listeners here. Listeners, I can tell you 10 names in the Dry Farms Wine family because they sign the literature that I get with my shipment, along with this thank you note that says, thank you for your order of our organic, healthy, and delicious wines. From our hearts, with love and gratitude, we wish you high health, abundance, and joy. That is just so unlike most other businesses and their approach. So I interrupted you. Continue on after community. Number four is contribution, Mm. to be of service to the world. 
Number five is communication, meaning that we embrace transparency, honor, honesty, and vulnerability. Number six is, is clarity, meaning that we focus on simplicity and making things really easy. Uh, number seven is context. And for us, that means to act with self-directed integrity, gravity, and intent. Mm-hmm. So to give you an example of what I mean about context and, and self-directed integrity and self-directed responsibility, which is a core tenet to our view of the world, at Dry Farm Wines, and I have to tell you, the printed piece you're looking at, I just noticed uh, that's coming in your box. I just noticed that that name list is out of date. But if you look at the emails that you get from us, you'll see 20 names run yes. the, the current emails. And the uh, so every single person, including every person that packs we, when our signatures for everything are include every person, including everybody in the warehouse, anybody, we consider every person just as important as the next. And as I said, they're all amazing contributors. But this idea of self-directed responsibility is a really, really critical one. So what we talk about and think about is that all innovation, all behavior should move from the from the bottom to the top and not be pushed down from the top to the bottom because if it isn't if it, if it doesn't begin at the bottom if it's not embraced and not not integrated from the people at the bottom then then they'll reject you know oftentimes reject these ideas from the top besides the people at the bottom know best anyway right the people yes. at the top don't know what they need yes. but so this this idea of self-directed responsibility means that at dry farm wines we have unlimited paid time off we have an unlimited maternity policy. You can stay out on we have the girl out on maternity right now. She can stay as long as she wants, right? We'll underwrite as long as she wants to stay out. Now, she's not gonna stay there. She loves us. She's but mm-hmm. the point is before the baby was delivered, it was like, hey, you know, we're prepared to sign up for whatever happens. We love you, we're gonna protect you. And so then of course she's been involved and doesn't want to be away and you know so it but but unlimited maternity unlimited we have no expense policy our expense policy is very simple it says to act in the best interest of yourself of your family your colleagues and of the organization that's the only rule and and so we don't have any hr we don't have any rule book we don't have any guide because we don't need rules here, rules are made for people who can't make good judgments, right? Mm-hmm. And so rules are made to contain them. I don't want to work with people who can't make good judgments. Now, we have some young folks that we coach through how to make yes. better judgments, yes. of course. But but we don't need a bunch of rules to tell you how many days you can take off, how many days you can do this, how much you can do that. You need to, you need to show and exercise good judgment and... And, and, and we encourage people to be away. Like I've heard from some folks that, you know, when you give people unlimited paid time off, they don't really take it. I was like, well, that's not the case with my company. They definitely take it. Mm-hmm. And we encourage them to take it. Right. So number eight is is change. And for us, that's very simple. Be the change you want to see in the world. Lead by example. And number nine for us is celebration. For us, that means bring the party. Right. So we <laughs> yeah. love the party. And celebration of life is a central theme to how we live together. Yes. And how I think everyone should live. Yes. Right? If you're not celebrating life, and if you're not celebrating those moments with the people you work with, look, you spend more time with the people that you work with than, than most of the time you spend with your family. Right? Yes. And so, 
So we have a very unusual culture where when we interview, I'll just give you a quick look at our at our hiring practice. Thanks, yeah. So our job postings are 12 pages long. And most of that, three quarters of that, is a description of our culture, uh, of how we see the world, of our belief system, some of our codes, and Peace and Profit Manifesto is featured there. So we want the candidate to understand who we are before you even consider applying. And to apply... You have to answer a 15-question questionnaire that takes the average candidate probably four to six hours to answer before we even look at you, Mm -hmm. right? Our feeling is if you're not willing to make that investment in yourself and us, you're not a serious candidate. And so, because I don't want, I'm not really interested in resumes. Resumes don't tell me much. No, they don't. I want to know who you are. Right. And if your audience wants to see this, these postings, they're, they're online very simply at dryfarmwines.com forward slash jobs. And you can see we've got six or eight open positions right now. And it also describes our process in detail. So it begins with a 15-question questionnaire. Then we have an initial 15-minute video interview. If we make it past there, we then have a one-hour video interview. If we make it past there, we then have another one-hour video after you're assigned a project. We give you a project because we want to see your work product. But the important thing in the second hour, one hour video, we also interview your spouse if you're traveling. If you have a significant other that's going to be relocating with you, most of the people we hire relocate because we're in Napa. Mm-hmm. And so most of the people that almost everyone, 95% of the people are relocating from somewhere else. If you have a significant other who's moving with you, we interview them for 15 minutes on the second one hour video because we need to know who they are. That's going to tell us a lot about you. It's going to tell us a lot about how they react to you, how what kind of support system they're going to be for you. And also, well, they're going to be integrated with us. It was, we do a lot of things together. Yes. So if they're not on board with that, you're not going to be a good fit for us. And we need to see and feel that. Finally, if they make it past that, then we fly them at our expense in, and the significant other to Napa for a three- to four-day interview. Only then you know, will we make an offer if it gets past there. And we hire about two in 10 of the ones we fly out. Yeah, I mean, we probably spent somewhere, I don't know what the number is, I'm going to guess probably $75,000 last year flying people out. And, you know, then we have hotels and rental cars and da-da-da-da-da meals and the whole bit, right? So, but look, hiring is the single most important thing we do. The people you spend your life with, and particularly your business life, will do more to define your peace and happiness than anything else. That is so true. Okay, Todd, i got to ask you. So how did you get to this place where you're able to, to integrate and create this amazing organization that's become a family? Well, you know, the same way, the same way everyone gets uh, experience, right? And, uh, or the most effective way to get experience is from bad judgment, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so we, success is a very poor teacher, Failure uh, is very defining, right? And so, you know, I've experienced a tremendous amount of pain and lack of peace in building organizations. And even though they were financially successful, they certainly were not peaceful. They were very stressful. They kept me up at night. Mm-hmm. They, there was always some kind of drama with one or more people in the organization. And the thing that defines this most is that if you're spending any time at all on the phone with other colleagues talking about a third colleague 
or mm-hmm. you're coming home and you're talking to your spouse about people at work that are causing drama and difficulty, this is the key sign that you are not living a peaceful life. Yes. I never, ever get on the phone and talk to a manager about other people. Or I never come home and talk to my friends or, 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 or loved ones about problems I'm having with people at work because that doesn't exist. Right? I mean, if, if I have to come home and talk about you, we need to separate. Yes. Right? I mean, we've made a bad hire. And, and if we've made a bad hire, I also say this. We've only separated from two people of 20 in three years. And both of them for exactly the same reason. If you separate from someone you've hired in your organization, only one of two things could have happened. Either you failed to assess the candidate in advance of hiring or you failed to lead them when they got there. Mm-hmm. It's never the candidate's fault, right? And so in, in each of these two cases, we failed to assess correctly and, and we failed to assess correctly in the interview process. And in both cases, we were desperate to make the hire. You know, we we're just in a desperate place to fill the position. And we acted prematurely and ignored red flags because we weren't fully aware because we were in a hurry Right. And so so these processes, these failures, like the two hires I just mentioned, mm-hmm. they, they contribute to this experiment, what we call the experiment of life that we're conducting here and all these unorthodox and unusual practices that are very successful for us and create an amazing life together filled with love and joy and energy and transparency and vulnerability. Right? That's the wonderful thing about wine is wine encourages vulnerability. Yes, when we is. can lower the window of vulnerability a bit, we become more available. Our practices are designed, our practices is an example. Every morning, my entire company, all 20 people, meditate for an hour together. Wow. Right? And that doesn't start, that doesn't start until 10 a.m. So prior to 10 a.m., they're all at the gym and conducting their own morning rituals and what we call protecting our morning. Morning is a sacred time. Right. So we meet at 10. We meditate from 10 to 11. Right. And then sometime between 11 and 1130, we actually go to work. And And so, Todd, Todd, did you I'm sorry, but I'm so curious. Did you guys set these practices up before when it was just you? Yes. Well, not just me, but they started very early when there was just a couple of people. Uh huh. Right. And this is all and this practice that I just described to you is all disclosed in the in the job postings that I referenced. So mm-hmm. nobody is surprised when they read this. We I mean we clearly state in the job posting, look, this is a very unusual experiment. This is not for everyone. Right? And if you're right. not jumping for joy and hearing about this environment, don't sign up. Right. Right? We want people <laughs> to select out. Right. I mean, our goal is to have as many people self-select out of the process as possible. If you don't read this and get excited about it, don't apply, right? Because we're not for everyone. And so it's like if you're ready to experience, you know, higher awareness. Look, when when we're vulnerable, and this is really important. See, this is... Nobody talks about running a business like this. No, and and that's what we need to do because that's how what you're doing is you're creating a place where a person can come there to work and be their whole self. Yeah, Yeah, when they are their whole self, this is when they create their best work because they want to. 
Yes. Not because you want them to. Right. This is a huge, this is the defining difference. They do what they do because they want to create their very best work product because that's what they want to contribute. And in most business environments, they're contributing what they think you want them to do. That is the, when you can get an organization creating from a place of heart because they put all of their passion and soul in, that's when you have the best and highest creative work. Well, and I think the other important piece of that is is that um, failure, quote-unquote failure, is seen as an opportunity to experiment and create. Well, look, we're all flawed. Right. This, this, this is where... This is where this management style of love and heart and forgiveness and acceptance and non-judgment, I say all that prefaced by the fact that I've hired the right people, mm-hmm. right? Right. So this, I've tried this experiment before and failed because of the wrong people involved. Mm-hmm. I had tried this at my last company. It cost me you know, about $5 million in a business that I shut down. You know, because I didn't have the right people and I wasn't the right leader yet. But from that failure, which put me in a place of a dark, dark hole, from there I discovered meditation, which I think is the most important practice an adult can have. So, it, you know, from there, that led me to an awakening and then awareness of things I already knew, but I didn't know how to place them in my life. And so that mm-hmm. awakening and that self-acceptance and self-forgiveness and that process of healing, you know, to take me back to my birthright innocence, to say that, hey, I was just a wounded kid who wanted to just be loved and to love. And that's all we all want. So we grow up, we grow up fearing love. And, you know, when we get uncomfortable telling people, we tell our customers we love them all the time. Yes, you do. (laughs) And this is a, and we mean it. You know, and we also tell each other, you know, commonly, you know, there are calls placed or we, you know, or we have a a big group chat channel that, you know, love is talked about a lot, you know, that, that we love each other and that we're committed. And again, it's really important that you have the right people because it's hard to live this way if you're not living with rock stars, right? People who right. are committed to their craft and who have passion about life and learning. But the other thing is interesting to know that I think is super important is that that we do not we are open working from about eleven fifteen or eleven thirty in the morning until five in the afternoon, five days a week. After hours, there are no emails, there are no reply to alls. I don't. It's very, very rare. Maybe I send a group email four times a month, maybe. Mm-hmm. And so we we do not send emails over the weekend. We do not work over, you know, it's, people might have individual projects they're working on. I don't know, but there's no, at most companies, and certainly at my companies prior to this, I would be sending out emails at five o'clock in the morning and sometimes at 10 o'clock on Sunday night or two o'clock on Saturday afternoon. And people come back on Monday and you know what it looks like. They have this deluge of emails. Yes. And then there's been a whole bunch of people that have replied to all. Yes. You know, and copied others. And it's just a disaster. It's just impossible to have a peaceful life. We intentionally minimize. I do, as an example, I do not reply. I tell the people I work with, I'm not going to reply to your email and say thank you. I'm not going to call reply to an email and say great job. 
you should know I'm always grateful for your work and I always appreciate the good job that you do. Don't look for me to, to send you an email to tell you that. I want to spare your email box. Yeah, I, and I have to say that's just so, what strikes me is is that your values, your priorities, the, the peace, the practices are all in alignment. Well, it's, it, you asked me where that came from. It came from a lifetime of failing. And so it's like, I have to reinvent. We have to reinvent the hiring process. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. It's broken. It doesn't work to get an interview and then have somebody come in and interview for an hour and then interview with department heads for another hour and then decide if you want to hire that person. Right. Right. That is a broken process. It failed me dramatically in my last business. And so I said, we, I have to do this differently. And even if it seems crazy to people, if they don't get it, they're not the people I need to be working with. Right. Right. Yeah. They'll understand. It. They'll get it if they're the right people. They'll embrace it and celebrate it. They will, in fact, and, and our candidates tell us, you know, wow, this is such a high bar. I mean, I really appreciate the process to do this. I've learned a lot about myself. That's the kind of comments you want to hear. Yes. I mean, it's like they're celebrating the process. And also by making the bar high, it appeals to top candidates. Right? Top candidates right. want a high bar. Right. Doers want to work with other doers. Right. What happens at most organizations is that, in fact, one of the parts of the process in our hiring that we do of the the three- to four-day visit in Napa is we cook a meal together. The candidate and I cook a meal for the 20 people. Oh, that is so great. You You can tell so much from somebody. I don't care whether they're a good cook or not. Most of our candidates happen to be into taste because we're in the taste business. But I don't care whether you're a great cook or not. What I care about is how you behave in the kitchen. You know, do you keep a clean workstation? Are you, you know, are you self-directed? Are you looking for ways to create value without with, without suggestion? Mm-hmm. You know, when I go to the market and shop with them for food for 20, how do you behave in the market? Are you reaching out? You know, what, what's your doers? See, doers always want to do. Yes. <laughs> I mean, they just can't help but create value. That's how they live their life. And most of them spend their work life working with a bunch of people who don't do. And the doers end up picking up all the slack for the non-doers. Yes. And so when they see an organization that says, there's a high bar to entry here, right? There's there's a methodology here to define who the doers are. And you're only going to work with other rock stars. Mm -hmm. They love that. They love that. They thrive on that. So, Todd, let's just close out with this one thing. If you could have one recommendation for somebody out there who's getting ready to go through a transition in their business, what is one thing that you would recommend that someone do? Or What's a transition? What do you mean by that? So, so I can answer the question so correctly. Let's say that they're in a place where their business, you know, they're thinking about maybe selling it one day or they're going to hand it over to maybe sell it to their employees or take another role, but the business is, or the business has been acquired. So how might someone who finds themselves in a state of transition with their business, what is something that you would recommend from the things that you've learned that this person consider doing? Well, I mean, I, God, it's such a broad question, so I, I, don't, I, I don't know how to answer the question, actually, because I think, think there's just too many variables or circumstances that I can't offer anything kind of just like that broad. But I, I would say the single the single most important decision 
as I said, hiring to us is the single most important thing we do. The single most important decision in any transition in life, in business, is who you surround yourself with. And so the people that you are surrounded with are going to contribute the absolute very most to your peace or resistance. I think no matter what the transition is, even if it's life transition or a business transition, the people you're surrounded with are going to be are going to affect the outcome the most significantly. And I have to say, I, I just think that is so important. And I think that if if our listeners can combine that recommendation along with your practice of meditation, I think that is a powerful tool set for navigating any kind of transition. Well, meditation, what meditation does, I, I think meditation is the single most important practice you could have during any transition. But that practice needs to be going on throughout your entire life. But what meditation does is it silences the mind. Yeah. It teaches the mind to be silent. And in that, silent, in that silence comes infinite wisdom. Yes. And that silence becomes abundance. Yes. Because but the problem most of us have today is that we spend our entire day thinking, right? And that thinking is creating resistance. Silence creates abundance. Mm-hmm. And so what silence does is open those channels of abundance that everyone deserves to have. It's just that in this unhealthy world that we live in where the consciousness level and the vibration, the frequency is so low and that we're, that our channels that would normally be open, as they are in nature. We know when we're in nature, we're more peaceful, we're more quiet, right? Because the yes. vibration levels are much higher. Yes. Right? The frequencies are much higher in green space. And when we get into city centers, this is when we find that, that the frequency and the vibration is compressed, and there's a lot of tension and stress. We go back out in nature, we see that we feel more aware and open. And so... What silence does is allow us to bring that openness and that higher vibration to our everyday life that we would find like we find in nature. Does that make sense? It totally does because I, I feel like resilience is the ability to be in harmony, if you'll excuse a woo-woo word, be in harmony with whatever events are happening around you. And so every transition offer challenge offers challenges as well as opportunities to grow and to learn, and having that ability to quiet the mind and access our own wisdom, I can see where it does lead to abundance. Abundance of peace, abundance of um, love. Option. Yeah, and of love. love. Yeah, love absolutely. Is what, we, what we need the most abundance of. So, I, you know, we have a practice. This practice is what we actually call conscious abundance, and yeah. how we define conscious abundance. We call it a practice state of harmony. Oh, I love that. And, and so this this is what all of our values are around, this practice state of harmony. Harmony is a beautiful word. Harmony is when things are in flow. It's yes. resistance that breaks up harmony. It, it, it's, it's a mindset of scarcity. Scarcity is I've got to keep and hold all this for me, right, for fear I might not get anymore. Exactly. When you release then you open up the channels of more abundance. And that abundance should come specifically in, in, in the way of love. If we are radiating enough love and receiving enough love, everything else will take care of itself because peace will follow love. 
That's right. just, yeah. Thank you so much for that, Todd. I, I really, really appreciate your coming on the podcast and being my guest today. And I cannot tell you how much I admire all that you've learned and your willingness to share with us and, and these, this amazing wisdom. And listeners, feel free to reach out with questions or comments. And, and Todd, just once again, if listeners want to contact you, how could they reach out? So on social media, we are Dry Farm Wines on all social media. And Great. then dryfarmwines.com uh, is, our, is our web address. I mentioned they can see our job postings that describe much of what we talked about at dryfarmwines.com forward slash jobs. And if they want to reach out to me, they can send me an email. It's Todd, T-O-D-D, at dryfarmwines.com. Great. Well, listeners, if you'd like to learn more about working with me as your coach, feel free to give me a call or go to my website, ascendtosell.com. And I'd love it if you would leave a review on iTunes and share this podcast with your contacts. Have a great day.